Hello, and welcome to The Signal, Workplace NL's health and safety podcast. Workplace NL is the Workers' Compensation Board in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. The focus is to promote safe and healthy workplaces, provide return-to-work programs, and offer compensation to injured workers and their dependents. This series of podcasts will provide you with the latest information on how workplaces can protect the health and safety of workers. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode, Preventing Stress and Burnout in the Workplace. I'm Deanne Feltham-Scott, Occupational Health and Safety Educational Consultant here at Workplace NL. Today I'm joined by Kathy Barrett-Brinson, Senior Health and Safety Advisor in Prevention Services. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thanks, Deanne. Uh, Happy to be here. We're also so happy to welcome our guest uh, today, Allison Butler, to our podcast. For the past 15 years, Allison has been training and speaking to audiences around wellness in workplaces. After her own personal journey with a mental health challenge, Allison became an advocate for mental health, stress management, and self-care. She's a mental health first aid instructor and a conference keynote speaker. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal story to start us off? Thank you so much, Kathy. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so about six years ago, I wasn't feeling well and I didn't know why. I felt really kind of physically ill. I was struggling to focus and concentrate. And honestly, at the time, I didn't really connect that with a mental health thing. But over the course of quite a few appointments, me trying to explore things, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And I kind of laugh a little bit about it now because it's now that I do this work, it's so obvious to me. But at the time, I really didn't connect that. I didn't connect the symptoms and the signs that I was experiencing as being a mental health thing. And I knew almost right away that I wanted to work on my own personal wellness. I I wasn't in a good place. I wanted to feel like a good version of myself. And I always say I was just kind of going through the motions of life at that time. I didn't feel good. And so I really started proactively working on my own mental well-being, doing lots of things that I needed to do to feel like a better version of myself. And um, I've completely changed my career since I was speaking and training in a different role. And I knew almost right away that I wanted to speak about my own personal experiences and maybe help other people who might be feeling the same way. So here we are. So now moving into the workplace, um, what behaviors can suggest that someone is perhaps struggling with their mental health? Oh, what a great question. So it can really look like a lot of different things and everyone's experience will look differently to some extent but I think there are some things that we can be aware of some signs to just kind of pay attention to in general Um, and just keeping in mind that this is not necessarily everything and you know we, we have to kind of just just look at that as how it is it can look like a lot of different things but one of the big things to be aware of is a change in someone. Mm. Yeah. Right? So right. that they seem to be acting differently than they were before. And I think especially in a workplace environment, if we have coworkers or people that we've been working with 
for a period of time, it's easier to notice those changes. And I always say to people in training, we can be the ones who are paying attention because it's really easy to kind of like gloss over things or make someone else's stuff um, about us, like take it personally. Mm -hmm. So I just go over a few things. So like anger or irritability can be a sign. It's not necessarily a mental health thing. It can be other stuff. But when someone is coming to work and they have that anger or that irritability or that frustration that's kind of coming out more than it used to, that can be a sign. Mm -hmm. And irritability was one of mine. Or other people may withdraw. So, you know, maybe they were previously more interactive, more social. Now they seem to be interacting less. Those are things that we can be paying attention to. Some people may be really trying to communicate to us that they're struggling without saying so many words, right? So people might talk about how they feel stressed, how they feel overwhelmed, how they feel tired. Yeah. Tiredness, again, it can be lots of other things too, medical health conditions, other things, but those are signs. Yeah. Those are signs that there's something going on. Another one could be sort of like a lack of motivation or just a lack of interest in work when maybe someone was previously more interested in those things. Right. And there's lots of others. Like there's so many signs, but those are some really common ones. And I will say, I always encourage employers to also think about... um, they're high performers because I was a very high performer, um, uh, like real type A personality. I'm very much a perfectionist. I took my work really seriously and oh, I still do, of course, but that was a real struggle for me. It's like my brain at that time wasn't really cooperating with mm-hmm. what I wanted it to do. And so I think the signs were more subtle. Like you have to be paying attention. I yeah. put a lot of energy into trying to keep my work at its peak performance. Yeah. But somewhere it will fall apart. For me, I was really struggling at home. So a lot of that was coming out at home. Um, And so it's not always as obvious and out there as you might think. But those are some of the signs. And I think people show us if we are watching closely and listening closely and paying attention especially if we have people that we work with closely at work. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so important, Uh, especially your point about the change in behavior. You know, you see that person who is really, really social, having breaks with, with their coworkers or going for a short walk. And then over time, you notice that they no longer want to do that anymore. It's perhaps for, and I'm sure that we've all, experienced that and seen that type of behavior in the workplace for, you know, and for us all just to reach out and to have that, you know, safe conversation with them about uh, what could possibly be going on uh, in their life that they may need some support. I think too, I I mentioned it previously, uh, you know, a lot of us might take that personally, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, um, why is Deanne mad at me, right? Because we make it about ourselves instead of about the other person. Oh, Deanne doesn't want to come to lunch today or doesn't want to go for our walk break or whatever. Well, 
I see that happen a lot in workplaces. Yeah. And I think it's just important to be aware of, you know, maybe maybe there's really something going on here. Mm. I think the check-in is really important, but the non-judgmental check-in, because some people are just changing. If we're, mm-hmm. if we're breathing, we're changing. So, you know, it is so important to, yeah. like Deanne said, have that safe conversation, a non-judgmental check-in. Because as you said, uh, Allison, as you pointed out, is that some of these behaviors may occur, but might not necessarily indicate yeah. poor mental health. Yeah. Uh, or someone is struggling, but they might. So it's really, you know, that check-in is is really so yeah. so vital. What can an employer do to show their support for someone who perhaps is having some mental health challenges? And what can coworkers do to help them? I think this is so important. And there's a lot of talk out there about mental health and psychological health and safety and supporting others. But I think one of the really key, a couple of the really key things that we need to do better at in workplaces is, one, make sure that people have a really solid understanding of what mental health can look like Uh in just this really real way. Right, and that we can be supportive of people. Um, learn how to have those conversations with each other about how we're doing in that non-judgmental way. Um, that's a really important part of mental health first aid, in particular. Um, but I think employers really need to get good at listening to people and actually hearing them. And, you know, it may not make sense to us what someone's going through. It might not seem logical to us, but it's very real for that person. You know, we're not just out there making this stuff up for fun, right? So it's it's so important that we, that we listen, that we hear people, that we try to understand what their experience is. And in terms of support, not necessarily just lumping everyone together mm-hmm. into one pot that recognizing that everyone's experience is different. You know, I have a diagnosis of depression. If my coworker also has a diagnosis of depression, our experiences could be, you know, there might be some similarities, but they can also be very, very different. And, you know, to be able to have those conversations, I think a lot of it comes down to listening to individuals having the conversations with them, making sure that, that they have the supports that they need, but but hearing from them what they feel that they need instead of just trying to lump everyone into right, a not solution. Ju- right, not making assumptions yeah. of what it is that a person needs. And yeah. I think I think we Great have point. this tendency, you know, sometimes people start having conversations with me. It's like, oh, well, um, we need to put something into into place to support so and so. What should we do? And I'm like, okay, well, did you talk to this person? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but people are afraid of having those conversations right. because they don't want to do the same uh, do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. But it's like that's the fundamental piece is learning how to talk to people in a way that creates a safe space. Mm -hmm. And I will just say one thing that I also see in workplaces, I think it's really important for managers and leaders to recognize that when you get those power dynamics in a workplace, you may really want to help and support someone, 
there is a possibility that no matter how wonderful and supportive you are, you might not be the person that someone wants to open up to for all kinds of reasons. And we have to kind of check our ego at the door a little bit. I always encourage lots of employees in workplaces to have this training and understanding so that we can do like that peer-to-peer support Mm -hmm. as well. And just making sure that we are actively communicating whatever supportive services are in the workplace, like employee assistance programs, benefits, you know, whatever might be in place for people, that we're regularly and consistently communicating those things like over and over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. so that when someone might be in a place that they need it, they know that that's accessible to them as an option. Well, we are at the end, hopefully, of a pandemic. And we know that the pandemic itself has certainly caused a lot of stress for people and has led to burnout in the workplace in some cases. How does uh, stress affect a person's mental health? I I have to say, one of the the great things maybe to come out of the pandemic, if, if you could look on the bright side a little bit, is that it has really forced so many of us to have more of these stress and mental well-being conversations just because so many people have found it really, really difficult. Stress is our body's response to pressure. Right. Stress, continued stress over time, Um, can cause burnout. And interestingly, the symptoms of burnout and the symptoms of depression are actually very, very similar, or the signs, I should say. So stress will significantly impact our mental health Mm -hmm. and well-being. Um, And I'm seeing a lot of these, you know, kinds of things happening in workplaces over the last couple of years. One of the biggest causes of burnout is workload. And we've, you know, different workplaces have handled things differently, but some of the things that I'm seeing that are really, really common, um, employees, um, because of the uncertainty, because of changes in the workforce during COVID, the remaining employees are often left to like juggle multiple roles or, you know, trying to pick up the pieces. Um, Or, We've been doing our regular workloads plus all of the pivot, if you will, stuff that's come from COVID, trying to juggle extra things, figure out new ways of doing things, which is all like this extra mental load and mental pressure. Um, So I don't think anyone is kind of immune to that. And uh, it's a very popular topic right now. I think you know, even though we're kind of coming out on the other side of the pandemic, we're still seeing that that stress. Things are still changing. It's like we, a lot of us worked from home. Now some of us are, are back or there's hybrid or we've changed roles. And I think it's really, really important to just be aware of the impact that that has on people. And how important it is to focus on our mental health, our mental well-being, and keeping that at the forefront of our conversations. 
like we're humans, we're not machines. And it's just such an interesting discussion, you know, and, and when I think about it from an employer perspective, there's especially small businesses because, you know, I'm a small business. Uh-huh. There's been so much financial pressure, you know, so so employers are feeling that too. And it's like, how do we come to this? You know, there's been so much lost business for a lot of people. And, and what does that look like? And how do we come to this happy medium of supporting our mental well-being at work in a good way. And, and I think it's just really important and those conversations are happening. You know, we're having this conversation today mm-hmm. and, and we need to continue to talk about this and bring it to the forefront around how are we doing and then really listening to the response. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of us just want to get back to normal. But, uh, you know, we've all been, as you said, affected by uh, the pandemic. So the conversations need to continue and how the changes and even the even what's happening now, the changes now to get back to, you know, normal type of life, uh, how that's affecting us. I guess self-care is a huge, huge part of that, isn't it? To make sure that we do take care of ourselves. Can you talk to us a little bit about, I guess, maybe what's become a bit of a buzzword, but it's actually so crucial for each and every one of us? Sure. I love speaking about self-care. It's my favorite topic. Um, and I, I often will joke that I am, you know, I am all about unapologetic self-care. That's my thing. Self-care is really, you know, it gets marketed to us as kind of a narrow thing, like bubble baths and, you know, whatever, which are great if that's your thing. But self-care is really about how we support any part of our, you know, physical and mental health, how we reset, how we find time to unwind. I think it's so important, especially when we're speaking about stress and burnout, that we find that balance or harmony between our work and our personal lives. It's such a challenging topic for so many people. I think we live in this society that's very go, go, go. Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't really take the time to rest in whatever way that feels good to us. Um, We're not making the time for that. It's like the thing that gets brushed off to the sidelines, like, we'll get to that later, but we never get to it. Self-care can really be, again, anything that sort of works for you. For me, um, I'm a real introvert, even though people have such a hard time understanding that when they meet me. Um, But I really need quiet, downtime, alone time. I just need to be alone. Like, everybody go away, and I'm going to do my own thing. I love being out in nature. I love hiking. Other people may reset and feel like self-care is having dinner with family and friends or being around people they love. Um, So it's about whatever fills your cup Mm -hmm. and making the time for that. I will say in the workplace, one of the things that we speak about in training a lot is I'll often encourage groups of coworkers to think about how can you do better at self-care during your work day? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Does it, because I meet a lot of people who work through lunch, don't take breaks, right? Because it's like, oh, we got to get all this stuff done and we want to feel productive and I don't want to go home unless I've finished X, Y, or Z. 
But one of the things that I've learned over time is that I'm, I love, I love my work. I, I would work all the time. My, my work often doesn't feel like work to me. Um, and I was a person who was really guilty. I like prided myself be like, I don't take breaks. Like I don't need to take breaks, but we do. I'll often encourage people, like, how can you go outside for 15 minutes? What can you do? Is it sitting down to have a coffee break together or whatever? Within the scope of your work day and your employer's rules and whatever that looks like, but how do you really build that those stress management techniques into your day-to-day? And can you have conversations about that? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Yeah. It's so important. I always tell the go-getters in my life, rest is productive. You know, I can work nonstop. However, I'm not a good version of myself when I'm tired, run down, exhausted, stressed. It affects your thinking abilities. I mean, there's all, we, we don't even need to get into the statistics of the results of stress on our bodies and our minds. Right. I think we all are kind of aware of that at a fundamental level. I actually find that when I take a break, I problem solve better, um, I think better, I'm just a better version of myself, and then everyone else gets that better version of me. And I, I think there's not enough enough of us thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And to Kathy's yeah. point, you know, I would really identify as that go-getter. And it's it's kind of what I call mental mountains to people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, at a fundamental level, I know that this will help me feel better. Yeah. However, when I'm stuck in a rut, when I don't feel good, when I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, or when I'm just like focused and working on something, I my brain tries to convince me that you don't need to do that right now, you can do that later. Self-care is this continuous improvement process mm-hmm. that we have to, that some of us have to work at more than others. Yeah. And so I really, you know, there's days where I'm sitting at my computer, I'm working, and I'll even like get in a little mental argument with myself. It's like, Allison, you need to go outside right now, go. And um, <laughs> yeah, and so if anyone, if that resonates with anyone who's listening, yes. you know, I hope it does because yeah. it's not like we just magically wake up one day and decide, well, I'm going to be great at self care. Yeah. It takes some committed right. effort, deliberate. Yeah, yeah. Deliberate it takes learning. Actions. I think a different way to talk to yourself. Yeah, like to be sitting down, relaxing for a few minutes, to be able, you know, maybe yeah. taking an hour at the end of the end of the day. You can say to yourself, "I'm being yeah. productive by doing this. This is good for me." Rather than, "Oh my yeah. goodness, I should be up. I should be doing this. I should be going for a walk." I, sh-, you know, I think that way we talk to ourselves. This is good for me. I need this. <laughs> and the yeah. more that you do it the more that you realize that your body needs it. And it just becomes as automatic as eating and sleeping. It just makes you feel so much better. Absolutely. When it comes to your mental health. Well, Allison, this was an excellent session today. I so appreciate you coming in and sharing your wealth of knowledge. Uh, on mental health with us. Now, and I'm sure that some listeners are wondering 
where can they find you? <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I'm going to share three places they can find me, if that's okay with you. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Allison Butler, and there's one L in Allison, so otherwise you won't find me. <laughs> um, you can also find me on my website, allisonbutler.ca, and I'm very active on Instagram as well, allisonbutlernl. So I always encourage people to reach out to me with questions. People often share their own experiences with me, which I love. That's right. Uh, and yeah. I share um, really actively on social media about stress management, about mental well-being, about my own journey. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone wants to follow along, I'm more than happy to have you. Oh, excellent. That's well, amazing. thank you so yes, much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thank you, Kathy, to being my co-host today. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today. Transcripts are available to use in your workplace to increase workers' knowledge in various occupational health and safety topics. Visit workplacenl.ca for more information on the services we provide to workplaces. Feel free to share the signal on social media to improve workplace health and safety everywhere. Thank you and have a safe and healthy day.